it's gradual over time and so for the last from from 1900 whenever this place was founded this area to today 100 and some 20 years you gradually just kind of whittled away whittled away and because the mindset is like you 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 grow up and you move away you grow up and you move away because there's always something else the last two years and in my mind the cultural the cultural flow has already shifted it's just i'm brian mose a farmer living in florence south dakota and you're listening to the Vance Crow Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Jared McDaniel returns. For longtime listeners of the podcast, you know Jared McDaniel is a cattle rancher with some brash and intense opinions that I love to crash into. Jared and I have known each other for years. We've done podcasts together. We've traveled together. And I just love that he is one of these people that has ideas and he sticks to his guns and he thinks through things in a completely different way than I do. So you are about to listen to a conversation where he has ideas that I find repellent and we uh, disagree and we explore and we come back to new ideas. This is a really fun conversation. We're going to get there in just a second, but right now there is actually windows and wires and uh, equipment all coming to the new studio that we are building out, not just for the podcast, but for legacy interviews. This is where I sit down with one of your loved ones to record the five areas of their life that uh, is worth remembering, their family stories, their childhood, what it was like to become a parent, and legacy that they want to leave behind. We are building out a studio because there has been such a high demand for this service that meeting in my home studio just didn't make sense anymore. So if you're interested in having me interview one of your family members, you can sign up to have me do it in person here in St. Louis starting around May, or you can have me do them, uh, the interview over Zoom, where we, no matter where you are in the world, we can sit down um, with your parents or loved ones uh, over Zoom and conduct an interview where they tell the stories that you'd love to see captured. If you're interested in this, go to articulate.ventures, where you will find a new page describing the legacy interviews. I hope you check it out and uh, consider purchasing this. We're going to do a whole bunch of Zoom interviews before the studio is built, and then we'll largely focus on in-person interviews. So if you're interested in these Zoom interviews, sign up now uh, while there's plenty of spots. So you can do that by going to articulate.ventures. All right, without further ado, we're heading to my conversation with my man, Jared McDaniel. Jared McDaniel, welcome back to the podcast. Back, that's right. I, I haven't been on here. How's it been? What it, two years or right at the beginning of the pandemic stuff? Man, it has been a long time. So if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that Jared McDaniel is a uh, cattle rancher out in Oklahoma, out in um, Texahoma. So in the middle of what most people would consider nowhere, but it's a somewhere place for you. Jared, we were talking before the show got started about uh, how much the world has revealed itself over the last two years. What is it like down in Oklahoma right now? It is completely normal and wonderful, Vance. And I would say it's probably been that way most of the time. You know, outside of the initial uh, oh, kind of state of panic or fear whenever, you know, the, the very first kind of lockdown thing happened. And, and what's funny is uh, I'll go back and kind of just as that lockdown, you know, happened and they, and they deemed everybody essential and non-essential and, you know, whatever that was, we're essentially all essential out here. You know, everybody works in, in agriculture providing food. So it was like, well, we don't really stop literally. I mean, there might be some people that like stayed at home and, you know, 
came out, didn't go to their house or something, but that that's pretty rare. For the most part, everybody got up and went to work. And uh, in fact, one of the things that I was really appreciative of is during that like couple weeks uh, of the lockdown, our little town actually had like crazy parties where people were driving up and down the street. You know, basically town just came alive again because people were like, hey, we don't have anywhere else to go. And keep in mind, we're in a town of a thousand people in the middle of nowhere. You know, like you said, it's somewhere to me and to, and to everybody out here. But to the rest of the world, we're kind of just a little spot that doesn't. Not that we don't exist, but like we don't exist in their world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Last night I was uh, having dinner with a buddy of mine and he's kind of a philosopher, definitely urban oriented. And he pointed out about, you know, the culture of America is about freedom and about, you know, their liberties. And if, if we were ever attacked, even if you knock down all of our buildings, that we would be this way. And I, I think like, I agree with him on one level, my experience uh, being out in rural America, towns of 10,000 people or less, I think that's probably true. But I don't think that's true in the cities. I think COVID taught us this is not a, a you know, freedoms and liberties aren't the number one goal or objective. What are your thoughts? What do you mean that they're not the objective? Like, the well, city, I, I think the, like the, people that are in the city are not. They don't. They don't think of freedom and liberty as the number one objective. Like, it's it's not um, a part of a, a a canon for them that describes. I'm an American. Freedom is number one, and all other things come after that. Mm-hmm. Well, the cattle in the feedlot don't want to know what it's like to run around out in the open plains either. But, <laughs> um. You know, I, I, I'm sad jokingly, but I also seriously a little bit, you know, kind of back to what I was talking about whenever this all happened, kind of the attitude that, that I believe was kind of taken by maybe rural America and, uh, especially here, um, I think partially due to our, you know, huge immigrant population that comes in to work in the packing plants, because keep in mind, we're also like, we're kind of forgotten by the, by the part of the world. I mean, we, our base culture is basically immigrants that just come in constantly there's a constant influx of new people into our area that are going to work in meatpacking plants and they're coming from some pretty shitty places i mean they're coming from places that are like not really you know probably not as good as what they're landing in so even whenever they're like oh you're here to work but there's a virus and you know you might like they're like cool we're still just as free as we we're even more free than we were you can lock us down our house and we don't give a shit we're in america like so people just kept doing their stuff i mean and, and you know, I'm not saying there wasn't sickness and there wasn't everything else that went along with it. And, you know, all that being what it is, like really quick after this started, like everybody just kind of went back to normal. I mean, they still had, you know, you went other places and there's people in the masks and all that shit and all that. That basically went away, I'd say within a month of like when it began. So like March, April, May, maybe May of 20, I guess. So, so since then, you know, for the last two years, we've essentially... You know, kind of sit out here and not not laughed at it. We just kind of said, "Well, I mean, what crazy shit are you going to try to lock everybody down that with now?" I mean, it's really kind of been it's been surreal to sit there and watch everybody lose their shit and then not be able to uh, adjust to reality. And kind of like what you're saying, as as the the city people or the people who don't have maybe a connection with you know an outside area or uh, an outside world they don't they don't see the you know the attack or something that's going against them they're just like the two they can't see the forest for the trees you know 
When you think about uh, the people that were in Oklahoma, they've decided, hey, we're not going to use the masks. Um, we don't want them. I think there were a lot of people living in the cities that were saying, ah, these people are foolhardy. They just don't know mm-hmm. that, um, you know, how bad COVID could be or that it's wrecking our, our culture. If let's imagine a scenario in which COVID had been far more deadly or uh, far more transmissible. And uh, do you think people would have continued to wear masks if it had been the, um, you know, the, the rational choice? No. No, well, it wouldn't have been a rational choice because it still would have been the same thing. It, even if it, even if it would have been a okay, a more deadly virus or something more transmissible, great. <laughs> it the the same outcomes apply. You're gonna, I mean, the same at least the way I feel, and I think uh, you know a lot of people in in other you know areas similar to mine is you just dive into it and you know survival of the fittest to the lack of of a better term or expression. That's not trying to say that is as a slight to uh people with conditions or people who are aren't capable of 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 fighting with their immune system like that's yeah there's there's stuff that you know they invented things for it there's therapeutics there's thousands of other things you know and it's like i it was weird as fuck to me to sit there and watch this myopic view of we're just gonna vaccine 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 okay back it up terry time out we run cattle out here. We do this shit for a living. Like, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to turn the world into a feedlot. Again, time out. Why don't you go talk to people who've been running feedlots? And here's a whole bunch of shit that can go wrong. And guess what? All that shit has just went wrong. It's like, you dumb fucks. What did you think was going to happen? And, and to your point, like you said, the people in the city, they just, you know, they think that maybe we're being foolhardy whenever I'm kind of thinking like, well, you jackasses don't you're not even at the beginning of the of the conversation to understand like how is a human to evolve through this whether it's man-made or whether it's you know somebody made some fucking bad stew it doesn't matter you're whether it's a uh tame virus like you're gonna you're still gonna have to live right so we made the decision pretty early on like Oh, we're not doing any of this shit because it's not, it's all, it's all theater. I mean, it's all, I mean, and, and look, I get it. I think, I, I think I, it, for me, it's all trade-offs, right? Like at the time with masks, we really didn't know. And I kept saying like, well, even if masks do protect you, there are downsides here, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, you were and that, that was the thing that made like uh, communicating with other people about COVID almost um, untenable because they would say, no, there's one option and anybody outside of that option is completely wrong and there's no validity whatsoever to what you're saying. And you'd be like, all right, well, when is a little girl going to read uh, whether or not the man that she's talking with is dangerous to her by looking at their face? Like, when are they going to learn that intuition if you put masks on everybody? And uh, that was something that people were like, oh, that's not important. And then you're finding out, you know, uh, two years later, oh, wait, all these kids that grew up where they only saw adults wearing masks, now they have all these speech issues. These are up like hundreds of percent because nobody was even willing to talk about what the trade-offs were. Well, I don't know that you could say nobody because there are large swaths of America that said the hell with it. I mean, we basically, I mean, they, here's the, here's, here's how a mask policy went here. They put a mask mandate on the school because it was if you had a mask mandate, then you didn't have to do a bunch of the other bullshit. So it's like all it became was a matter of like, here, let's move these pieces around to play their stupid, shitty game. And really, for the most part, it was, I mean, kids and God help them. I love or God bless them. I love the kids and and youth and the spirit of, of rebellion because, man, right from the get go, our kids are like, screw that. And they would, you know, it was like we're only putting this up for you. And, and for the most part, it was always down. And then even at that, 
it became a farce. You know, the, it wasn't, it was understood by everybody. And I mean, everybody in the community. Oh, it's all bullshit. And yeah, okay. You put it in, you put it on to go into Walmart. How fucking stupid is that? Like, I mean, just really, you fucking wear it into Walmart. And uh, Julie and I, we both were kind of like, you know, some of them were like, whenever you really dawns on you, this is all bullshit. You just take it off. And yeah, it's a, it's a, I remember being like going into it and walking around and like you do the nod or the wave, the head don, you know, the, the, the other three guys that don't have it on and you're not in a club. You're just like, Hey, we're the only sane motherfuckers in this place. And it's that simple. It really that's going is that on, simple. That's going on in the suburbs right now. You know, I live I know, in the suburbs. That, that, no, I'm saying the, the nod. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the, there, and even in the very beginning in, in uh, the grocery stores, like, Masks were a little bit slow to come on, and then once they hit some tipping point, then boom, everybody everybody in the suburbs did it. And then over time, you started seeing one or two people that would be like, well, if nobody's going to come over here and tell me I must put a mask on, I'm not going to. But it, it you had to have a certain amount of balls in the city uh, to, to go around without a mask because I had like a little old lady yell at me. I had uh, people in the produce area like kind of um, – uh, not get aggressive, but definitely voice their opinion and look around for other people to try and uh, in, encourage other people to voice their opinion that I wasn't wearing my mask. It, was, it, was, it has been a bizarre thing, but it took a lot longer than it did in Oklahoma. That's for sure. This is more of like the last year. Yeah. Well, that's what it really, for me, looking out, just sitting where I am, it, it seems like the world's about 18 months behind as far as like waking up to this shit. And it's like, come on, guys, you'll get there. You'll get there. You know, like from the head nod to eventually completely flip that. Like here, there might be one or two people that wear a mask. Great. Awesome, man. High five. Rock your mask, man. No one gives a shit. We're happy for you. And that's where it's at. But, you know, it's weird that in other places, like if somebody doesn't have a mask, like in the country that I live in, there are places where people are just outrageous dicks to other humans because they aren't putting a stupid piece of cloth over their face. That's completely irrational. There's no fucking sense that can be made of that. And anybody that has like at this point still latched onto that shit has got some major issues that they need to go fucking hug something because it's like, there's problems there, man. There's like, there's a, there's a, there's a genuine disconnect from reality. So. So when you think about Oklahoma, do you think the people living there or the people living around in your community, do they view themselves as Oklahomans first or do they view themselves as Americans? Like where, what is the cultural kind of this is who we are when we're living out here? I think you could even break it down as far as like even within Oklahoma because uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Like we live in the far western part of Oklahoma. It's like, you know, basically out here with Colorado, Kansas, Texas, Panhandle. I mean, it's, it's, it's the southern high plains for people who don't know. Um, and he, kind of back to your mask, just kind of tie this together. Um, you know, it all went away for us early. Now, this would have been in, gosh, maybe May of 21. I'm, I may be off on my time. It's just basically the early part of 21, somewhere in there. So this has been going, you know, it's going on long enough. It's been in like a year. So everybody's pretty much rocking along, wearing their mask. You know, it's like very ingrained into the, the culture. And we go to Oklahoma City with the family, you know, do something. Uh, and we're pretty much used to living like we do, you know, everybody's kind of open, you know, and you know, we understand like when you go to cities, you still kind of participate in their charade because it's like, 
not not that you wear the mask but like you just go oh, uh, yeah we're gonna sit here and stand apart and all, all this bullshit it's really you're doing it more as a courtesy to them it's like look these people are too fragile to to accept the reality that i live in so if i go out there and just act like i normally do they're gonna fucking freak out so you can't you can't go in there with just like you crazy people because they are the craziest shit but there's a bunch of them uh, it's being culturally aware right like yeah, you're gonna go I mean, somewhere I'm else trying right? to, yeah. i'm trying to trying to be respectful to them but but like okay went to a restaurant i don't know cheesecake factory you can get that out if you're not supposed to say the name of it. it's a stupid restaurant in the city. <laughs> cheesecake um, factory is, is fine we can shoot okay. it okay there you go anyway we go into this restaurant and uh it's me and the family and everything else and we're waiting to get set down of course i don't have a mask and this shit um uh, i think i think some of the kids you just still people were still doing it you know we were in oklahoma city or edmund or you know a, a population hub in oklahoma the capital and going to a restaurant and these little waitresses just flipped their lid and were like, you have to wear a mask, you know, losing their shit. And, and keep in mind, I didn't live in this. So I was kind of like, oh, shit. You know, this is like, are you people still haven't figured this out? You know, but again, trying to be, you know, polite. You go go out the car, go grab the stupid little fake bullshit disposable mask that's going to end up in the ditch five minutes later. And you put it on your stupid you know, ears and you walk literally 15 feet. No mask, walk in the door, put your stupid thing on, walk 15 feet, take it off and sit down. The height of fucking stupidity is just beyond me how dumb this is. But okay, you know, like we're, we're playing along with your charades and everybody, we're ordering the food, all this stuff. And I'm not making a shit about it. Just, you know, we're all happy to be with whatever. And I distinctly remember this. The next thing is a guy who lived in the city, obviously, him and his wife and a couple of their kids. He walks in and he is like, a, you could tell he's anti uh mask he's anti everything but he's like a dude that's in the city and he's got this bewildered look like he looks like a thousand yard stare like he's been fighting his whole life for this moment <laughs> uh, i mean but he but he has his mask and he sits on and and he but he's it's weird because he doesn't want to have a mask he doesn't want to do all these rules and he's bitching at the waitress the whole time about how she's such a you know this and that and everything else and he looks down at me and of course i got my long hair i got my i I look like I look, I'm, I'm, I may be a problem. And I'm sitting there in this big table with this giant family. We probably have 20 people in this, you know, it's holding court. Dude seriously straight up looks at me and he's like, and she's about to set him right next to us. And we don't have masks on, you know, it's like all stuff. And he's like, uh, I need to be down. Like he, he removes himself from our area because it's like, he doesn't like the way it looks to me, you know? I'm just, just telling you, this was, I'm sitting there observing. I'm not saying a word this entire time. All I've done is, get my stupid mask go sit down we order we're waiting for our food and this guy still just cannot he he keeps he like looks down at me and i finally i just i look at him like you got a fucking problem <laughs> like what's your deal and uh you know i could tell he's like telling the waitress he doesn't like being set close to us there's a problem again he's anti-mask all this shit and he starts talking you know he's, he's just kind of berating the 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 waitress so it's just really really weird because he's like and he, he's, I think he wants to be like on my side because he's like, yeah, man, we're not doing this. But he doesn't want to sit by me because he's like, this guy might be infected with something. And that was this guy's world. He was so crazy and caught up in the drama that some random person that he didn't know, he was concerned about who we were and we didn't have masks and we might infect him with something. But he damn sure didn't want to be wearing a mask. He didn't want any part of somebody telling him what to do. And then he didn't want to be set by someone who might be like a problem and you know, and it's just one of the things like, I'm like this dude. And, and there's a million of people like that. Like that guy had just lost his shit so much that he couldn't function in a restaurant to go sit down. 
Yeah, and the 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 kind of fascinating thing is like each person's individual decisions stack up to be what a culture is and an economy and uh, you know a community. Like everybody's taking their own individual actions. And uh, it seems to me that there were things, and you're like a, one of the most vocal people on Twitter to say like, I'm going to call what I think balls and strikes are, and I'm going to I'm going to call them out. When you look at the way people expected things like um, the price of goods to be in the future, why do you think that people are surprised um, that from the collective actions, both of the government and the way that human beings are acting? that prices are, you know, soaring uh, up right now. Why are people surprised by that? I think they're naive. I think they're naive. I don't think they have a, and again, that's back to the connection of, uh, if you've never seen an animal go hungry, you yourself, you're not going to understand what it was like to be hungry. I mean, you're not, yeah, but we've always been able to go to get the grocery store. And even if you don't have money, well, you can get food stamps. And, and I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just, I'm trying to speed through the process. Like, there's always a backstop. There's always security. There's never, you're never going to run out in our part of the world, you know, in our America, right? Well, guess what? Nobody gives a shit. I mean, and then, and I guess my, my harshness to it really became back, you know, to the whole, back to the beginning, when you go to essential, non-essential. Well, that, let's just stop right there. I mean, you know, you, you and I may have talked about this and it's been discussed ad nauseum, but when you start to say you are essential and you are not essential, well, that makes me feel pretty good whenever I'm running around going, hey, I'm essential. I, the world's going to hell, but they still need me. Literally. Okay. How about if you're that, that sorry, the poor guy that's like, yeah, you're not really essential. Go play video games. We're going to send you some money. And, and uh, hey, don't do any, don't just hang out in the house and we'll get you some shots. We'll get you some, we'll take care of you. You know, like no zero talk of self-reliance of hey pull yourself up hey why don't you get off your ass and do something and and seeing how the world kind of pulled the curtain back whenever they were scared that they might run out of food water whatever like out here seeing how they how in a place that produces food we were left alone i mean literally they they one of the first things they did was whenever they said you need masks you need tests you know blah, blah, all this stuff that you need well, Oklahoma Panhandle is the last place that's going to get it. It's all going to it's all going to Oklahoma City. Like, <laughs> we had we had the we had the people out here, and they literally left. They got in their cars and they drove to Oklahoma City, and they said, "Good luck." Wait, who left? That, 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 well, any and everybody that's doing testing, any like if, okay, the doctors said, "Hey, we need like the stuff. Uh, we need masks. We need uh, we need supplies." We and and this is for an area that is has a packing house in this town and 40 miles away or something. like this is where the meat the food this is where like the the nuts and bolts of fucking america happens so they tell you on 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 the surface it was all cast out there oh we, we need the essential workers you guys do everything you were right there we got you but on in reality it was like see ya you guys take care of this we're gonna go we're, we're out of here we're out of here in the sense that like and this was not just the national federal though this was the state governor this is everybody who was deemed the take care of you whenever shit hit the fan all took the fuck off and they're gone they're gone vance like we were literally like oh we do this on our own and it was and it wasn't like we didn't know that's how it was it was just a straight up like now here's a reality check this is what it is so from from that point forward my perspective was this is all bullshit because it's not 
that humans are not reacting to it the way humans should. And then you slowly watch this thing get hijacked by a narrative that is, that is, you know, or maybe the whole time, I don't know that the longer this goes on, I'm not so sure that the whole thing wasn't entirely planned and just kind of done out with the point of getting like a, you know, the social credit system or something of that ilk, you know, installed or at least getting it put into place. I think that, I think ultimately we'll probably find out that, and there may even be a depopulation aspect to the vaccine. I mean, I, I don't care saying it because I, I think that that's all viable things. And again, too much to time me, has passed. So, so yeah. to me, these, um, the grand narratives of conspiracy, the reason that I struggle to believe them is that I've been to the top and the people at the top are not competent. At least the political leaders are. The no, people exactly. that are installing them and the people that are behind that may be far more capable. But I can tell you that the people that actually have the vote, control the, the, the uh, how billions of dollars are spent, these people are not uh, chess masterminds. They are... Um, uh, placeholders, and if they don't do what they're, you know, what the, somebody so wants how, them to do, then they're they're gone. How easy would it be to manipulate said placeholders? Yeah, I mean, like I'm very suspicious of conspiracy theories, if only because people can't keep secrets. So people almost always tell what they're doing, and those kinds of ideas get out. And two, I, I mean, just I think most human beings are um, completely incompetent outside of their one little area that they're they're capable in. And so conspiracies require vast sums of people. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying I'm hyper um, sensitive to, to those being um, an easy way to explain why the world is working the way it is, but hard to, to prove, which makes it kind of this always um, like the, like an urban, an urban legend that can be used to drive people's actions in the same way that regular propaganda can be. Hmm. Well, I think <laughs> I, I'm baffled. I'm not baffled. I, I think it's the same thing. I, I think it's basically you have a certain number of people who can kind of drop the illusion or the, the facade that is the, the storefronts with no back of the building. That's basically what, that's what, it's what our administration is. I mean, they exposed that in Afghanistan was a wildly, they threw the door open and look, there is absolutely gross incompetence from top to bottom throughout this administration, period. No questions, no political, no, oh, they're, in, they're because they're Democrats. Or Bullshit. These are humans that can't function. So yeah, Vance, there's a bunch of dumb bastards that can't do, can't put together, come here from Sikkim. And I think those people are very easy to manipulate and control because they're all dirty as hell. And I think it is, you know, you say people will shut their mouth if they think that there's like being blackmailed. I think it's very easy that this, and if you look at the world economic the WF, I mean, you kind of can piece all that shit together. And yeah, you can't link it this and that. But every day, more links keep getting put back. Every day, more things keep getting drawn, connected, connected, connected. And to the point, like you can't just say, well, it's not really happening. Like bullshit. Either, either it's either it's happening or something far worse is happening. To because, me, because, I, because it's not I, it's I not just a with... comedy of errors. I don't think it's a comedy of errors. Interesting. So you think there's a group of people? How how many people do you need to get together to be able to pull off a conspiracy that is global in nature? Oh shit! You could do it with a hundred people, as as concentrated as power is. Think about that. I mean, I struggle no. to believe that because so 
I mean, I, I, mean I could be okay, convinced, I, but, but, but I, let, me, let me put up this. Like, I think one of the reasons that I struggle with that is there are so many incentives for people to break ranks from a conspiracy, particularly if it's only 100. If there's 100 people, then you are one of 100 splitting power and, and taking the risk to be able to put on a grand conspiracy. But defection is so valuable at that point because um, you, you know you would have knowledge that other people wouldn't have. So to me, like the if it's a small the the problem with a small enough group is they don't have enough power, and the larger the group becomes, the more valuable defection becomes from from being able to keep these grand conspiracies. I mean, I've seen business deals of very competent people that are more than five are very, very difficult to pull off. So when you say a hundred people around the world from different cultures and different, you know, parts of the world, it just seems very, it's very difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Mm -hmm. You'll get there. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about a conspiracy that you talk about a lot, which is the, the meat packing industry, particularly the beef. What is going on in the packing world that people that aren't, you know, cattle producers wouldn't understand, but should probably know about. Well, I'll just metaphorically, they're the gatekeepers of the industry right now. And they have been for the last uh, couple of years. Um, how they got there is a long kind of twisted journey and how they remain there is, a. Uh, it's not necessarily a, I don't know that it's a corrupt story. It's more of a one of apathy. So, I mean, I kind of, as, as for them being the gatekeepers, uh, let me el elaborate on that. You, we raise cattle, you know, we, we breed them. They have the babies we take care of them when they're young and the pair, you know, the mamas and the calves, we raise them until they're seven, 800 pounds, take them off. They will go to either a feedlot or we'll put on a wheat pasture. We raise them up until, uh, then from like 800 pounds in the feedlot, they'll go to 1250, 13, 14, or, you know, they, they, so at this point we still own the animal. I mean, this is how I do my operation. Other people, some people sell them at different nodes along the way, but it all encompassing up until that animal walks into a slaughterhouse, it's basically owned by a producer or somebody tied to the production of an animal. Now you're getting into the harvesting phase. Well, right now there's only, well, and I'm speaking of generalities. And I say, there's only so many hooks. I mean, there's only so many actual physical places to hang an animal. And there's, there's a shortage of, harvest capacity yeah now, just so somebody has a frame of reference you're saying you kill the cow you actually take it by the hooves and hang it yeah and that way you're, 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 le you're leaking the, the blood out and you're about to butcher it there's only so many hangers and those things are you know it's a it's holding up a 12 1400 pound animal and uh now you got to yeah, have yeah. the refrigerator space and the workers and all of those things Th these are these are literal giant buildings that are located out here where we live i mean they're probably i don't know two, three acre, you know, underneath of, you know, different spots, people just, I'm giving you a physical representation of what it is. They're giant buildings. If animals go in, meat comes out. That's what it is. And there, there's supposedly a uh, shortage of hooks. Now, whether or not there is, that's, that's a whole nother debate, but it doesn't matter because the, what's being utilized is what is, is, is available to people. Like there was only so many that are available. So then therefore there's only so much that can be put through. Well, when you have that kind of choking off of, of a supply, there's only, you can, it's like a cartel. They can control how much goes in and out, and they can also control what they buy from, because the, there's so many people that are waiting to get in the door. They now have all the say of who gets in and who doesn't. And it normally can, you know, you think, okay, well, this seems out of balance. How does that fix itself? Well, 
you build another packing plant or harvest capacity, you know, increases because they're making so much money killing cattle or animals per se. And yeah, that's true. But there's, there's so many like backstories between regulations that have kept new plants from coming online for decades for this isn't like it all happened because of COVID. This is all, this is a train wreck that's been coming on for the last 20 some odd years. And it's, and it has to do with like efficiencies and efficiencies are, are driven because we want to keep cost of production down. Why do we want to keep cost of production down? Because we want to keep our prices low. Why do we want to keep prices low? Because all the consumers want shit cheap. They, congratulations people. If you run out of food, it's because you wanted your McDonald's for the last 20 years and you wanted it cheap. And I, you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for society that has said, we want our shit fast. We want it cheap. We want it done. We want, 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 want. Okay. Well, because of all these wants, you have failed to invest in infrastructure. Now, these are the results of failure to invest in infrastructure. We don't have hooks. We don't have the places to kill them. Or even if the industry says, hey, we're making, we need to, the market signal is build more plants. We have gotten so far down the rabbit hole and gotten so corrupt by lobbyists and, and the, for the meat packers, they have so much political capital and they have, they're so good at it. They, they're like, we'll write the rules and, and write everybody else out of the game to now there's only three or four packers that control everything. And then, and basically they are the meat cartel of America. You know, it's funny you, you meant you bring it up that way. I was talking with a friend of mine, he brought up a really interesting point. He said, you know, why is it that whenever there's uh, drugs that it always comes down to just a few cartels? And he was like, well, basically, when you see cocaine come into the United States and you see it be, uh, let's say it's a, it's a $90 million but, um, bust, right? Or a $100 million bust. Then uh, he was like, basically, 90% of that is profit margin. So the cost to goods sold is about 10%. So the, the, whoever is selling them has a 90% profit margin. And once you have a 90% profit margin, once you have a big enough margin, now you can use that money to recycle and just keep growing and growing, push everybody else out. And that this is what makes it so market concentration happens. When, when margins are too large, people will uh, take advantage of them. And so he was kind of giving okay. this description. Okay. okay. Pause there. I have yeah. a great parallel point here to what you were saying about uh, – whether or not there could be a grand conspiracy, how all this stuff could happen with just a few people at the mastermind. I mean, think of our cartels, how they can move massive amounts of illegal substances with very few people to the, to, to, like you said, to the masses. How do they do that? They have control over all that. Now, okay, you have a, you have a government that can, government is acting the exact same way of a cartel does in in the way that they control your liberties and freedoms and everything else and and and, and i'm speaking very generally because you're talking about democracy as a whole when you look at canada you look at america you look at all the democracies if you were a cartel that wanted to take over the world how would you do it you do it exactly like they're right now how does a cartel operate through very controlled means and what are they they're very effective at what they do and you can't argue that they aren't because Otherwise, why can't we stop the drugs? So if as, as the money pile grows bigger, the morality that, that needs to be around gets smaller, correct? I mean, as a general rule, let's just say that's a scale, right? As money goes yeah, up, you're always going to find down. people that will maximize that, and they'll take advantage of the fact that once they get those margins, they can return those earnings for their own benefit. Yeah. yeah. So if a person were to maybe have a, an inside track on, on some vaccine stuff, it can make a lot of money. And maybe if there's only a hundred of you and the penalty is death, do you think it's possible that maybe somebody could actually put together something like that? 
it's just hard. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. You know, I, I, I'm trying to get I, you there, my, brother. I'm trying at my to base, I, I mean, at my base, I believe people, uh, if they can take good actions, they will, you know, but I also think people will defect and make bad decisions. It's just okay. very, very okay. difficult for me That's to wrap that. my mind around the idea that there would be a human being that would knowingly inject millions or billions of people with something It's very, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not saying you couldn't get there with enough evidence, but you would have to have a lot of evidence to make that case. I don't know, man. I think I think the inhumanities that they're willing to portray and 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 then what the what they've shown they're willing to do has shown me that they're exactly there. That 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 and and then who that they are, it keeps getting you know it it the fo- it comes more into focus as time goes. By. I mean, I have no doubt. I've no, probably within a year or two, a lot of this will be exposed. I mean, it'll happen so fast. It's already happening, really. I think that. Again, I think that the war that, you know, theoretically is happening in Ukraine is essentially just a direct distraction to keep everybody's mind off of. They just kind of kicked the shit out of the world for two years and told people go fuck themselves with their with literally every one of their human rights. That's not made up. That's not something from some figment of my imagination is a conspiracy that fucking happened. No, I mean, that's true. And there are people that drop bombs on on. Uh, other countries where yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no. hey i get it man there's a whole bunch of awakening that i think that has happened to america they're like oh this is the real world this is like what happens to everybody else just like, i mean i you know what i and i had a little epiphany it was, you watch the canadian truckers look man they're just the same as the people that are around here they're kind of like eh. you know I'm not, I'm not saying they're the same i'm saying that the mentality of we're fine not needing you being like the you the government and everybody else to tell us how to live our lives it's pretty much like we're fine on our own we don't need this the way that that was dealt with humans that were like hey this is bullshit we don't like this and you could man if you couldn't see that just like coming down the pipe the authoritative screw you we're going to stomp this out make emergency powers you know basically take over and become a dictator and and kick the living shit out of people and then be like, ah, okay, we're good. No, we got it. We're good. No, that doesn't, that's not fucking normal. That is not fucking normal. Humans don't do that. No. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're right. I, people, I think people, that people, uh, like people, people became more comfortable with having the government have um, authority than I expected possible. I, you know, I, I yeah. definitely was naive. I remember the day um, when St. Louis County finally asserted that they were going to put people in lockdown. And, and I was sitting there being like, how, how is this even possible? What, you know, like what, what, when, when you do this, you're putting everybody under arrest essentially. And then when you go from that to what's going, what's gone on in Canada, where the prime minister and, and other people that are in, you know, government positions can say, actors. we're going to, we're going to take the, over the banking system and allow you to just seize anyone's assets that they have and any business that they're re- related to. I mean, that is such a grab of power, but if you had done it before COVID people would have really, really, they would have bucked against it a lot more. I think maybe not, but no, in no, this no, no, case no. now they, they won't buck against it. And why? Because they've been conditioned to, this is what you have to do to, to be safe. This Look, man, they've been selling this bullshit of, of we're going to make you safe. We're going to help you. Like they've been casting that we're here to, to make things better blanket. The thing is, is it, I was, I was very out on the edge. They pulled the blanket back and said, nah, just kidding. We ain't got like, I got to see that. And I was like, wait a minute. That, that really stops because it, look, man, I get it. 
you have this sense of like, hey, we're all together. They're humans. They're, there's nobody that would really do this. And then you see like, no, when it comes down to it, they will immediately be done with you, yours, and everybody has anything to do with it. As long if it does, if you don't fall lockstep into line with with the way that they have deemed society should go. And 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 man, I'm telling you. I, I can't, it's so surreal. I'm watching as a rancher who runs cattle. My, my job is to take living things and manipulate them in such a way that they stay calm and are docile. And all they want to do is eat, sleep, and go to slaughter. That's my <laughs> job. And all I see by the world governments is exactly what I do. How does one react if they believe that this is what the government is trying to do to keep, put them in CAFOs and, and uh, keep them docile until they can move them along? How, how, what do you think people should be doing right now? I, I'm doing it. I'm doing what I believe needs to be done. When you said I'm very vocal about stuff, I, I, think, I think people don't know what to understand. They don't know how to handle someone who actually believes what they believe. I think I, I, that's where I'm at. I think that, you know, it's, it's not, it hasn't came to me lightly. It hasn't been like I've, these are flipping decisions that like, like there's been a lot of thought, a lot of time that I've spent personally, you know, just really investing in what the hell's going on. And, and I think I've had the luxury of a very vast social media network and I'm crazy connected to so many people across the world that I can have instantaneous conversations with people who are also just as connected as I am. So I'm, I'm weirdly, I feel like I'm weirdly situated in like, I have a massive network connection across the world and I can talk to people just like you on a one-on-one, -on -one, not in the public, just in very, very coarse, actual conversations. And, and then I'm, I'm also isolated from it. And then I got to exist as normal and watch all this. And, and I'm, and I'm also insulated in them. I don't work for anybody. I'm self-employed. So I'm in this weird quasi position of, I'm, I'm not untouchable. Yeah, nobody's quote untouchable. I mean, hell, the, all you have to do is, is have a little dirt on the government and all of a sudden you take a hanging nap in the, in the, in the, in the, in the fucking cell. So don't, don't bullshit your mind on that if you don't fucking believe that, man, because the, they killed a whole bunch of people that are disagreeing with them on that shit. So nobody's, nobody is like, you're, nobody's untouchable. But for the most part, as an average human, they don't give a shit about me. They don't care. They don't really even care that I'm out there talking shit. Now, if I got big enough and, and or you know connected enough people that they were already blocking, because look, YouTube takes shit down. There's there there's actively trying to shut off and shut up people that don't they don't like what they say, and the reason they don't like it is because it's true and it's ugly and it fucks with what they've got to say, and that's happened over and over and over and over and over and like. Man, I don't know how to say it other than this is all bullshit and the whole thing's theater. And the further you go looking, the more ugliness you uncover. So it's one thing to take a guy like you off of social media, right? Let's, you know, it wouldn't be difficult for Twitter to say, hey, that nah. Jared McDaniel is gone. YouTube, same thing. What happens if larger uh, things happen? So, for example, if your power grid is taken down and you no longer have electricity, how how would you and and what you're doing right now um adapt to that well i have generators i already have I already have that set up our power grid goes out all the time we live in a shitty end of the line nowhere i'm literally at the end of a 20 or 30 or 40 mile run to a substation so that's what i'm saying people are like well what are you going to do if they shut down the world 
I, the world shuts down all the time out here. We live without services. It's constantly that we, I, ice storm comes through two weeks, no power, but we run generators. Now, if I had two months or two years, I'm going to get some badass generators. And guess what? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit out here and I'm gonna raise all the shit that everybody needs to eat that they have neglected and trash the industries for the last 40 fucking years i'm gonna sit out here and i'm gonna just raise shit and i'm gonna sell it to you people for way more than you ever even thought about paying for it because you're done <laughs> fucked up motherfuckers and that's where we're at that's I mean, just where we're at do you feel a sense of bitterness towards uh americans living in the city that react in this way i feel like they're apathetic I feel like it's, it's, it's past the point, you know, no, I did, I, I had sympathy and I had grace I, and I don't know that it's bitter. I think it's, it's more or less just like, if, if you won't help yourself, I don't know what kind of, what, how much more energy do you need from the people that will help themselves? Like, because at that point, people that are just sitting there going, well, I don't know what happened. The, the world's shit. And I, and I can't, I don't know what's going on. Like motherfucker, you've had two years. If you don't feel like it's time to get off your ass and do something, you, you need you need me or someone else who who's who's figured it out to come drag your ass up. No, we're I we literally live every day as a as a living example in not defiance, but in in just simple. We exist. We're the control group. No, look, nothing. Come out here. Come. Why aren't we all dead? Why aren't we all mean? dead? But, I mean, was, that, 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 that was the whole point. Oh, you mean why aren't the people in Oklahoma all dead yeah, after something why, like COVID? Why, why, haven't, why hasn't Sturgis? Why haven't all those? What, you know why? Because that shit wasn't real. All the bullshit that they fed was fucking bullshit. And that's where you have to go. Back. You're like, okay. It was like, I don't know. Well, go back. Go back to the beginning and, and really look at it. And it's, and man, that's what I'm telling you. I, I control animals for a living. And I watch the government's immediately go from we're here just kind of you know like quasi you manage trade you know economic affairs some political grandstanding but it's all just kind of for the purpose of keeping things going that stopped and it turned into hey we're running this like a worldwide ranch and we need and and like the way they tried like I, if i don't want something to to get with this group because it's like oh this one might be affected lock the gate let's let's keep this over there and, and you know what honestly i don't even do that anymore that's probably just a myth because i'm like fuck it let them get together and we'll doctor the sick ones because because or you know in the the idea of mass treatment that's again that's a that's a that's a cattle thing like oh well we've got a whole pen that are at risk like say they maybe they've they, they've they've been shipped around they're under stress these cattle might develop pneumonia they might develop something and then that might kill them well that's a bad economic outcome so we are like, oh, well, hell, let's just give them all shots because shots are cheap. And that's true. Now, there are bad things that happen, not, not very often, but like in the, in the grand scheme of things, if some animals die, eh, you eat them anyway. Very flippant. It's not flippant, but that's, you have, to, you have to understand, we as humans eat animals. We are above the food chain. We are here. And we treat animals like this because we control and use them for our own existence and whenever the people of the governments of the world start doing this and treating the humans with the same control and methodology that that ranchers and and people who control animals use that's really fucked up like that that's something that that became really apparent you know when i was in uh college i remember 
um, being told like IQ isn't a real thing and, and, you know, there's no differences between people. Everybody has their own skill set. But as you get older, you, you begin to realize like, this is insane, right? There, there are people that are more intelligent than other people. And if there's an average level of intelligence, well, then that means half of the people in the, in the median, um, are below that level. When but you start them, thinking, them, there's a lot of them really close to that middle line. Yeah, you can, exactly. You can, you and that middle little, line, you can be a little bit dumb or a little bit smart and still, you know, have, have responsibilities. And so the question becomes, um, let's imagine, you know, some percentage, 25% of the people that are below that line, you have to take care of them. When you think about this world where you're saying people should be motivated to get off their asses and take care of things. Cause you know, that clearly the government isn't going to do it for you. What responsibility do we as a society have to people that they just they're not capable of getting there? And I'm not talking about the infirmed or the I'm just saying people that are walking around as regular people, but they're just not intelligent enough to interpret what's going on them and come to any conclusion other than the one that they were given. Yeah, I mean, I think you are you asking what like what I think. Do we have a responsibility to those people? Do you do you need? Yeah. You have the same responsibility you had before all this and before everything, you know, before time began. And I mean, if you want to look at Christianity in, in a sense of, or, you know, religion, I mean, that's just, they've been saying this for beginning of time. You take care of your man. I mean, in, in, in nature, it's, 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 you see it in nature. Um, a calf is born in a, in a not good conditions. Like it's cold as hell. It's, winds blowing something you know what a mother does she instinctively gets up and and cleans it and takes care of it because that animal is is incapable of doing it for itself and over time for whatever grand plan or scheme has has nature has figured out that like hey if something is incapable of of uh, carrying out life functions but it's necessary and it's valuable to nature then it gets taken care of um now you talk about elderly. Why are elderly valuable? Well, think about the wisdom and, and, the, and the time and the, and the things that people have seen. Now, can they go physically pick up boxes and move shit around? And can they go, you know, no, they can, op- they can do operate a lot of equipment now as automated as it is. But, but the, the true value in, in, in the elder, I think, historically and throughout humanity has been that they were the source of wisdom. And some of that's been a little convoluted and corrupted because now you've got the elderly who has had life so easy that they've not acquired wisdom. All they've acquired is wants, needs, and, and just further, um, they, they've become pawns in their own game. All they want to do is get a higher status level to some other bullshit. And it's, it's like a cancer of the mind. That's all they see is how we want to be, you know, above and above and above. And when you see about how you can only climb and yeah, looking down, taking care of the little people, like, because you're like, what responsibility do you have? You have all the responsibility, the same one you've always had. I mean, shit, if someone was out there like freezing to death, give them a fucking blanket, you know, that, and that shouldn't be up to the state. It shouldn't be up to like, oh, well, we need to allocate something like hell, man. If they're in your town, if you see someone that's down, pick their ass up. It's not, that's it's what not, I thought it's about. not oh. fucking, it's not rocket science. I'm, I'm in agreement with you on the taking care of fellow people. And I think there was, um, a delusion that went on as the government started to step in and people would say, ah, the way that I can help my fellow man the most is by, um, supporting the fact that the government asserts that they can have this sort of power, right? Like, like, so for example, I'm helping people by forcing everyone to wear masks. I'm helping people by requiring them to get vaccines. It's not for me. 
it's not because I'm scared. It's because we need to do this thing for the larger group, which is, uh, it's funny because your natural in, in your natural propensity to want to help your fellow man can be hijacked quite easily. I can, I can tie, I can tie your Packers and, uh, all that together. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, I had it in my head for a second there. It's the way. Man, I'm not going to do a good job describing it. <laughs> I'm going to back off on that. You know, whenever you, what I'm trying to say is the is the way that we got to the point of needing a packing industry. Okay, is because we're too damn lazy to do ourselves. Not not lazy. It's like it's easier for me, and I'll just be honest. You know, it's easier for me to raise the animals, take them to this point, and then and then somebody else do the dirty work of killing and putting them in a package and 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 selling them. Okay. We as humans, it was just a lot easier to be like, well, fuck, I don't want to go deal with that dirty homeless dude. But now if I get, if I pay my taxes and the state does it, uh, they're doing my dirty work and I don't, and I don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Like it's they, America, humans yeah, I mean, have, have know, gotten to the, the point, like we don't want to deal with the, with the reality of, of the poor and the sick and the, and the, and the downtrodden because it's just. Oh, that's kind of ugly. It might harsh my vibe today, and I, I really feel like I need to get my my stuff going. And like everybody, everybody's so consumed that they're like, "But we, somebody takes care of that. We we pay taxes, so someone takes care of that for us, right? It's deferred responsibility, just in the same way that the the producers of deferred responsibility of packing and and the nasty. You know, it's not pleasant to kill an animal and cut it up in little pieces. That's some nasty shit." we've all decided that we're just going to let someone else do it. You know what? It's nasty to go out and hang out with the, with the lepers and the prostitutes and the people of the downtrodden. But you know what? Somebody has to go do it. It's the same thing Jesus taught, right? But, yeah, I think, but, but I what, think in but your what, point we, about Christianity. Christianity to, to the state. I mean, I think that one of the great insights that uh, I read through reading this guy named Rene Girard, he talks about Christianity kind of from an, like an outsider's perspective. One of the big things in Christianity is the um is the abolishment of the mob right it's the it's the maybe the admonishment of the mob right because humans natural tendency is to join up with a group of people that are saying that's the clear reason this thing is happening this is the obvious solution for how we should stop it which is typically stone this person or banish them do whatever and uh once that person is gone then we all feel better but Christianity came and said, ah, 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 you are not to participate in the mob. And you could do everything from, from the he who is without sin cast the first stone. But it also is the story of, of Easter, right? When, when uh, Peter denies that he was a follower of Jesus three times, it's because he wanted to be a part of the mob. So even the cornerstone guy to Jesus wanted to be seen by the by the group as a part of them and what they're into and the, oh no i'm not with jesus of nazareth and so you start to realize uh, he, that the real indication like, of christianity is don't be a part of the mob or as an individual collectively be a mob that works for better than anything else what do you mean i mean okay it, it it's almost like the concept of God in itself is, is God a monolithic one, you, you know, like, is it just this ball in the sky that everybody's like, okay, that's God, we worship it, right? Or is God humanity itself in that, in that, you know, one of the, one of the teachings or if you want to, and I you know it's a teaching, I'm just speaking like, again, in generalities, but 
you know, one of the overriding themes I think of Christianity is, is you take care of yourself. And then also you take care of like your family, you take care of your community, you know, and again, very generally speaking, but it's, 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 it's on the individual and their relationship with God. Well, okay. You, you say, how is God real? Well, why do we save orphans? Why do we have, um, why do we have places set up for people that are downtrodden? Why? I mean, in a sense, the church, a church in a, in a small town or a church in a community, if it's properly functioning and if somebody's sick, what do you do? You pray for them, okay? Or you, you take them food. You show action. You show actual. The movement, the thought, the thought of Christianity creates groups of people that then go to this person who is sick or somebody that might need help or, you, you know, they go take care of them that's God. That's, that's God. That's the, it's the thought, the process of we as a group, as individuals, an individual of a person, like each person individually in their relationship with God, which God might as well be your neighbor. God is you. God is everything around us. But the point is, is that the decentralized nature of God in itself just is right there. It's, it's, uh, no, I'm not saying this in the right way. It's, it's not something to be aspired to. It's like humanity takes care of itself, and that is God. Does that make sense? But, it, but it, that is only possible with functioning individuals as pieces of, of the society. So, like, you, when you say that, like, the mob rules because they are, like, they want to be seen as that, again, back to the cattle analogy. Yeah. How, how do I control cattle? I, I feed a couple of, I feed them cake all the time. I feed them and I say cake, that's actually range protein. That's something that tastes good to them. It provides them nutrition. They, it's, it's on a schedule. Like I'll show up and I'll honk the horn. They're like, Hey, it's cake guy. And they come running. And I might as well be a Schwann's man. And they love me. It's great. So I, I feed them. I keep them happy. And then, Hey guys, we're going over here to this other pasture. Honk, honk. And they guess what? They all follow me because they are like, Hey, that's the cake guy. And they're yelling at their buddies, moo, hey, come over here. It's a cake guy. And they all <laughs> run. And when they go in there, I dump the cake and I turn around and I drive right back down. I look at them and I inspect them and I'm checking them out, making sure there's nothing that I need to take care of. And then I, I close the gate. I go on about my business of living my life that they're, that they provide for me. And, and, and shit, man, look at everyone. Everyone's stimulus bills was just a box of cake that they were driving around, putting people in, putting people where they wanted them to be here. Oh, you guys are, oh, you're look, Hey, I'll be back tomorrow with some more cake. Don't, don't bust out these fences. And you know what, you know what I do with cows that are a real problem? Cause I do have those and I, and I do appreciate them because I shit, man, I'm one of them. Cause that's you. <laughs> that's me. You know, I get it. I really do, man. You know what? The motherfuckers that have been through some shit that, that, that I have tussled with, like we, for whatever reason, like cattle remember people. I, mean, I remember them. Like they got numbers. Hey, what's up, you know, and, and we look at each other and she throws her head up and she's like, I ain't going through that gate. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to find out. And, and we battle and sometimes they lose and sometimes they go to slaughter and sometimes they win. Sometimes it's like bitches over there now, you know why? Because it, it, it she's the intransit minority within that pasture. <laughs> and, and, and guess what? She it doesn't, it's cattle. It doesn't matter because you can have it. You can have an intransit minority and they get, they get, uh, subdued executed or removed and you know why because you don't want them to fuck up the rest of the herd man then we need yeah all that's those, right we, i mean the reason all, this is interesting you made me, them to be compliant you that's really interesting because um i never really thought about the second layer of the intransigent minority which is if um 
if the people that have actual power don't want the intransigent minority, then they've taken a risk by getting up there. So the, for anybody that doesn't know, we talk about the like, intransigent like, minority all the time, which is you can have a small group of people that they just will not go along with what everybody wants. They, they have a totally different way of thinking. And it, so they, and they won't accept some other alternative solution. So they fight and fight and fight. And eventually a lot of times, so like the anti-GMO movement or, uh, you could think about a lot of movements where honk, honk. you think that culture changes by, oh, slowly groups of people decide they want something different. But in reality, it's that there's one group of people that believe something so fervently that eventually society gives in and uh, and takes on what they're saying. But if they don't, if the powers that be see the intransigent minority coming up and they say, we don't want culture going that way, then those people are... Uh, definitely called out and and pushed out of society so that they can't be intransigent anymore. So you might even do something like in, enact emergency powers and then start to remove like people's <laughs> funds that, that were protesting against uh, maybe something that you didn't agree with. Like you would take almost extremely measures that have never been taken before in the history of a country. And then like five days later, back them off after your thugs beat the shit out of some people that maybe you didn't agree with. So I, yeah, Vance, I don't know when that would happen in reality and in, in modern day stuff. Do you know any time, any time that might, that that might apply? So what do you think people should be doing right now? You, you, you are very I th independent. I, th I think, I think they should just keep right on honking, man. Just keep right on honking. Just, just because it's not my job to tell them what to do. My job is to be out here and be me. I hope is that, that, that somebody says, you know what? Maybe that's not, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I should just go be mean because I think, I think, I think people should genuinely take a moment and, 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 take inventory of where they're at and, and what they're doing and why they're doing it. I think if you really, because, because they're going to have to answer a lot of real tough questions before they get to the point of like soul searching and, and we need to have a philosophical discussion about moralities of a government. I mean, if their own life is fucked up, then you're, you're talking to, you're not, you're not having a discussion that matters. So, you know, people get their personal affairs in order. You start there and then start to, you know, I mean, hell, if, if anything. Yeah, that's I, true. I mean, if you're focused on the world's problems before you've got a good relationship with your wife or your kids don't exactly. respect you or something like, there's no no reason to even look at Twitter at that point because the most valuable thing is in your home. And yeah. it's, uh, I, it, I, it, it, it always is. It never has been. It had, that hasn't changed. In fact, it, one of the things I'm most grateful for for the whole pandemic, and I, and I genuinely mean this, is it, is, it, is it gave me a true appreciation for where I live. Like, I mean, I've always loved, I've always liked it, but man, you talk about some real like juxtapositions of society. When I, when I, when I, when I've sat here and just for two years, man, just watched, watched it unfold and, and, uh, athletics with kids, how we treated our kids. And like during, uh, 2020, we played football the entire year and went into the playoffs and throughout the country, so many kids, they weren't allowed to, to play a sport. But man, I'm fucking proud as hell that we that our kids played the entire season, that we went to school, that we came back. This, you know, that my daughter was great. My daughter was in high. My oldest daughter is a is a freshman in college now. When she when she came home, and all of her kids came home from school in March. It was wonderful. It was the greatest thing ever. We spent from March to August. We had a boy, man. We took. I had my two oldest kids and we were, we were in a drought. We, we flat out fucking moved cattle and ranched. 
it was as close to homeschooling as I think I'd ever could get. But we basically just flat out lived and we existed little house in the prairie, man. It's like lockdown. Where are you going nowhere? We're going to, and we're in a drought kids. And we got a bunch of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bail. Hey, we're going to feed. We had a good old fashioned, like ranching home vacation. And when you, when you, when you get left out here in the, in the middle of nowhere with, with, when they say, okay, we're taking back the world. You can't come to the cities. You can't have, you can't have the stuff that we promised you that you're going to have if you stay out there and work and do all that crap. Cause it's on the city. You can get it whenever you want. Time out. You can't get it anymore. You start to say, well, what do we have of our own? And you really look around and you say, man, it's scary. Cause we got a lot of really cool shit. We got a lot of really cool shit that has just been just, just ignored. And, and I say that, you know, as a person who has lived here my entire life and I've, you know, I've part of it, man, I, I actively not, did, did, you know, money was spent going to vacation elsewhere. You were going to do things other places. Like you, you worked here, but you was always to go do things everywhere else. And that's kind of messed up because why, why, you know, when you really have a heart to heart moment, you think, well, why don't we just do it here? Why don't we have a, a badass, awesome place to, to congregate, to, to celebrate, to, because it, anymore, it, and, and man, if you're in the city and you, and you don't like it, there's billions of places all across the country that are just, just left to abandon. I mean, so my let's wife talk and about I, what you've done. Yeah, you, yeah. You've been building into your town. Like, so you got Texahoma there and, uh. You started actually. It, I love how you say Texas. It always drives me. It's, it's Texoma. You you put the A in. It must be like a, a Texoma. Okay. All right. Texoma. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I've been meaning to cry. I think I correct you, but you you just it, it's it's in your nature, man. Texahoma. I it's, see. Drop the A. You got to go slang. Texoma. Texoma. There you go. I like that better. That sounds better. Seems more independent. Yeah, that's but why we've in, been doing it that way. In that in that area, um, you've started buying buildings and started renovating and started doing. I mean, I've saw the pictures for quite a while. What's mm -hmm. uh, what's going on now? Where are you at with that project? Okay, well, the, the first project, I guess, is that we started. You know, years ago was the, the little building that we're broadcasting from right now. It's just the, we call it the studio, the office. It's just it's a little bitty man. It's a maybe fifty by twenty. You know, just a a little building that's in some small town that would otherwise be just driven by you know just it, it's like because so many downtowns in rural america are abandoned it's 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 more shocking to see see one open than it is to see them all closed yeah that's right and there but when you do see one open it's a magnet you're like what's going on here why is there so much electricity here like yeah, why but why is there think about it what, the, the my this little building part of it was fueled by the podcast which had nothing to do with this area ironically but it had everything to do with it because it was you know it was it, i ended up talking about the values and things of this area inadvertently just because of, I live here. But but for the majority, the, the building doors were opened by things outside of this area. And so, you okay, conceptually go with me on this. You know, we the area regions with uh, very productive resources, let's just say farming, ranching, um, hell, coal mining, logging, any kind of resource that's exported. These regions are typically very rich in resources which are worth a lot of money but over the course of however many last century what we've done is we've decided that we're going to put the emphasis on the cultural centers of cities and then these outposts these satellites that are like that are essentially like roots of our society we're just going to leave those roots out there we've already established the roots we've got roads we've got trains the roots are made we're just going to let them feed on that soil with the soil being like the 
you know, the rest of the United States and those roots, the tra you know, everything, everything goes into and it feeds population. Okay. Well, just like any plant, you know, when the roots start, if you don't make new roots and you just keep using the old ones, you know, eventually that shit's going to wear out or, or trees die, you know, like things again, back to the, you don't make the investment in the necessary things because you're putting them in ethereal artsy, you know, like we're going to build a 800 We're okay. I'll give you a perfect example. We're going to build a $200 million stadium in this town, whatever, you know, fuck. So to have ball games, great. Everybody's wonderful. We have, you know, and it makes money. You can justify. Yeah, we've got that here. They're building a gigantic soccer stadium here, mm -hmm. right? I have yeah. never been. I mean, a soccer game once, but I mean, like you, millions or, and millions of dollars going into it as an investment, imagining that there'll be millions and millions of dollars brought back as revenue. Okay. Or what if you took two hundred million in in general terms and dispersed that amongst twenty ten million dollar elevators that would last for the next hundred years? And, and serve a purpose as in collecting grain and doing things other than just for, you know, for ethereal spectators, like, you know, you're not, you're not feeding anybody in that Coliseum. You're not, you're not doing anything of, of substantial matter of like of actual physical substance. You're, you're entertaining, which keeps people placated, which is, is nice, but, but you can get, I mean, the Aztecs built some badass like, you know, structures with a bunch of has sacrificed heads, but like, they're, they're not still here <laughs> right <laughs> so jared i uh i don't know if i told you this because we uh we haven't talked in a while but i was actually um uh invited to be a, a fellow at the center for peace and conflict studies and uh the reason they reached out to me was they said um we have all these people focused on international issues um, you know, what's going on between, you know, Russia and the Ukraine, right? And they have, so they have scholars on that, but they, they uh, very, I think, wisely pointed out, we don't have anybody looking at the conflict that's going on between rural and urban America. And so they invited me to come in. I'll, I'll have a chance to write some papers. I'll probably write some articles. If you were going to tell me, hey, um, this is the advice I have for you on helping people in, um, urban uh, environments that are trying trying to understand why there is this divide between rural and urban america what do you think would be the first place or first thing to articulate to people that don't really understand what's going on out in the countryside i'd say you have to reverse the culture flow if you look at how everything has been again back to what i was saying earlier resources not only resources but culturally every everybody's been focused solely on like Shit, man. I bet, I, bet, I bet I can go to anybody in this town. They could probably tell you who did the halftime of the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, why, probably. Why the, why, why, in my town. Why does that matter? Like, why does that matter to us here? Other than it's just like, it's cool. It's conversation. Um, but we're talking about stuff that happens somewhere else that has no bearing on anything like physically in our world where it doesn't it doesn't hold our kids at night it doesn't feed them it doesn't keep them warm it doesn't keep their football games going it doesn't fight off the oppression of coming down the pipe it doesn't do any of those things it just it just exists to fuck it's kind of like tv man it's just something to keep people dumb i mean it's just it's and 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 okay if you're in a crowd and you, and, and I've been there, man, I've been in stadiums whenever like the touchdown scored it like, ah! and it's like, hell yeah, dude, that's a, that's a livid experience. Concerts the same way concerts, man, you can get caught up in the like that. 
that 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 craziness of of power and moment it also exists in nature i mean when you're you're in the mosh pit of loading cattle in it and they're kicking the shit out of you and then like that's real man that's all the adventure i need i got i got plenty of it i got i step in i could and i'm not just saying this about cattle but like people live lives of real danger and risk like uh, in blue collar society i think i think there's very much like guys i know go out every day and they'll play around natural gas wells you know there's and they're safe and they're and they're not going to get blown up but like yeah people die you know and shit where one of the where, biggest where, things- I, I don't think i think in, in a lot of urban like it's so insulated and so safe and so buffered and band-aided that like they don't have there's no so the rural urban divide is like you're two different people and so get the get the people who have been the focus of the attention ah, turn around why don't you look back that way come out come out to places like what we're doing with like talk about the buildings you know what i'm gonna we're gonna put something together and it's really not to get people from other areas to here it's we're building it for our community or re, rehabbing it for us to use now if someone else sees that and they want to come out and drive by and look and be like oh what are these guys doing you, you, then they might have then there might be an idea of like their understanding of of our culture because i don't think there needs to be any more of like us going into the city we've been doing that for 100 years right like what yeah, what do i, think, I, need I think to, what you're do relating- I need to know about the thing that I that strikes me is um, I had been kind of coaxed into the narrative that uh, the not only do you want to be in urban centers, but to be in an urban center that's oriented towards the international scene. So getting from getting to New York or Washington, D.C., then then you could finally start living the real life that you see on TV and that you know about. And one of the things that happened when I finally got to the World Bank, and and I didn't just get into the World Bank, I was at the highest level of leadership. I got to be a part of planning these meetings and sitting in on them. And I realized when I was there, you don't mean anything, you're entirely replaceable. And I compare that to say uh, the Ring Brothers, who instead of trying to um, get into Washington DC, stayed on their farm and worked on things, one works with you know, the electrical getting generators to work and one's focused on cattle. They never had a day where their work didn't matter. Whereas I went two years where anything I did maybe got like checklists done, but in effect, you know, almost meaningless. And I think the people living in the city feel deeply a sense of void about the the fact that they are non-essential, but have no way of understanding what is the perspective of somebody that stayed essential, n- not just their whole lives, but for generations? I think that that is one of the big divides that is, is like conceptually or culturally makes them, like you said, different people in some profound way. Well, I mean, it's basically if you, if you want to go even quite, you could say that the reality split in 1900 or 19, you know, like. And for the, for the people that stayed like in rural America or, you know, families and, and even the ones that are coming in from other countries that are assimilating into those rural areas. And the reason they're assimilating into rural areas, because that's where all the meat, you know, the, the nasty shit, people don't want a meatpacking house in, in a urban area. That's why they left those. You know what they don't want? They don't want windmills because they're all the fuck out here. You know what else they don't want? Natural gas wells. Uh, they don't want irrigation. They don't. They don't want. They want corporate hog farming. 
but guess what we have we have all of that we have everything that we we and i say we and i just say we collectively as like and i'm speaking oklahoma yeah well <laughs> not just oklahoma i mean but that that's true for iowa it's true for illinois it's true for ohio it's pretty much any, but that, oklahoma any, I mean, is oklahoma is definitely different so i have a chance to go all over the United States. I've been to the urban populations and now for the last seven years, I've traveled around to the rural population. I can tell you, you land in Oklahoma and your Uber driver is telling you about the land of the free and why they, why, you know, like why it's good here and they don't have regulations. Oklahoma is a very different place. And it's probably because there's very little um, cultural mimetic desire to be there. No, nobody gets status by living in the in 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 uh, the panhandle of Oklahoma, and so they're they're not until a they part do. of the status game that you were talking about, and it, it's until they a different do. mentality. Until they do. Mm-hmm. You, you said like there's no part of that. The, the, the people, like you said, there's we exist because no one wants to be here until they do. I mean, the, the point is, is that it's, I can show you pictures and I, and I will, when, when you, when you, when you're out here I'm, and it comes to the building, you know, I'm going to show you some cool shit we're doing as far as like the history, the history of it and, and, uh, kind of putting it together. But man, I came across pictures. It's really cool. You see in 19, whatever, 1910, you look down, the picture was taken from the top of the buildings downtown and it shows main street. And there's literally, I don't know, man, 300 people. It's lined with combines. It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the, the conventions where you go and there's farm equipment everywhere. They basically had that downtown. And that was, that was pretty commonplace. Like, oh, the farm equipment people are here and they're lining their shit up and everybody comes to town and you, that was a hundred years ago. So for a hundred years, we've been just kind of laissez-faire. Oh, this, we're just, we're just, we're, we're outsourcing our culture. And then, and it hasn't been the outsource from like day one and in, in 1900, you stopped doing this. It's gradual over time. And so for the last, from, from 1900, whenever this place was founded, this area to today, a hundred and some 20 years, you gradually just kind of whittled away, whittled away. And because the mindset is like, you, you, you grow up and you move away you grow up and you move away because there's always something else. The last two years that in my mind, the cultural, the cultural flow has already shifted. It's just people don't see the flow yet because you yourself, you said you're looking like you know, for two years, you're like, what the hell? I mean, if anything, you're looking for a purpose or, or like a, a point behind like the madness. And man, I wake up every day. I got, I got purpose and point running out my ears and ass and everything sideways. And I, and I love it. I, and I can be, I'm free to, to run, to be healthy, to, to be left the fuck alone, man. And, and to not, to just be me. And I've, and I've been doing it the whole time watching other people not be able to. And that's, uh, and, and that, that didn't happen just because of the pandemic. That's been here the entire time. That's how it's always been. We just haven't seen it because all, because of everybody, it's like, you're just focused on something else. So uh, we're going to wrap up, but I have a, a final question for you, which is uh, when are you going to bring your podcast back, man? <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it is, it's something I really enjoy doing, but, and I, and I've had this conversation. I was actually on another podcast. I'm, I'm doing more podcasts than I did before. I think I'm finally, people just gave up and said, fuck it. We have to talk to them. Um, it's going to come back, but right now, uh, I'm down to my last employee left in March of 21. 
Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is the last guy. Like I one time I had four or five employees in and, and and it's not his fault. It was just an older man that, and he said, "Look, I just can't keep doing cattle and farming." And I'm like, "Well, I can't I can't do it. Like I need someone to do both of them." And you know, it was an amicable thing, but but being what it is and I've got kids that are older and and we just said we're going to, you know, I'm going to be the 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 one here all the time and then uh wife and kids and you know friends that, that come help i just hire help and 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 bring in people or or julie and i do it or you know we just we truly went back to just straight up it's just us and and whatever we bring in we don't know more no more employees none of that and it's a very fulfilling life it's wonderful fulfilling but you know sacrifices have to be made and and i love the podcast but man if it means that i can't because because in order to do the work it takes it takes this much time. It is, it, there's only so much me to go around. And then the time that I don't have, it's dedicated to, uh, you know, hanging out with the family, going to the six kids and, and one in college. And there four days a week. I have basketball, you know, like during certain seasons, we have basketball Monday, Tuesday, church on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so Saturday, it's like, Oh, we're gonna hang out as a family. So if I'm like, Hey guys, we did shit all week, but I'm gonna go podcast real quick. Yeah. You know, that, that ain't cool. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's nothing against the, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's like, that's just not part of my reality right now. And, and it hadn't gone away. I'll, I'll do it again. You know, now I'm doing it right now. And, and honestly, I'm kind of glad that it kind of took a pause and, and had a hiatus because it's, it's going to be interesting when I do fire it back up. Um, I think it's going to be a completely different animal. You know, I, I don't, it's well, I can say you know? that you you are exactly who you say you are, and I think that that's a rare thing. So whether you're guest on podcasts or uh, or you run your own, I think it's I think it is important um, because while I find myself you know arguing with everything you say and and you know finding that the way you say it is so grating, I also find that um, you make me grapple with things that are way outside of the bubble that I'm in, and I I really. Um, so if you don't have time to do a podcast, then we can keep for listeners that don't know, we got up at, you know, four something in the morning to be able to yeah. do this and but I'd be, do it again tomorrow. So, Hey, you know, that's, that's the thing is that you find time for the things you, you know, that you, that truly matter. And and, and I enjoy, that's the thing, man. I, I enjoy like hell talking to you and, and I'll get up all day long. Okay. At four 30. Fuck it. You know what? It, as opposed to what sleeping for two hours it, and, and, 10 years from now i can look back and we can enjoy this conversation i don't remember shit of a dream that i had but and and you know something people may not realize is that you know you and i have breathed the same air literally and man i can't keep i this comes back to me a lot because we literally right on the heels of this pandemic you me and Dwayne favorite we went international and did a fucking podcast in yeah canada. at a cattle show in canada at one of the biggest show, cattle shows in there people, yeah people might know this in november of 2019 right is that yeah right? november of 19 right before thanksgiving me you and and Dwayne, or Dwayne, you and i have you saying it even was correct whatever we all went up to a, a livestock show and did a podcast and then flew the fuck home and shortly thereafter the world shut down and I would fuck that, man. I wouldn't go back to Canada until they have a regime change. Fuck that place, man. I love you Canadians and God bless you guys, man. You're my brothers, but you guys need to chuck that fucker up there. I, I won't go back to Canada. I mean, I love it, but that's insane because that was right before this happened. You and I were on a trip together. Yeah, I, I went up to Canada one time after we went to Agribition and I heard a speaker that spoke um, after before me. Um who stood up in front of the crowd and said, uh, Alberta, your only way out of this, of the regime of being controlled by Ottawa, 
is to become the 51st state of the United States. And I remember thinking this guy was completely insane for saying that. And, and I thought one, I thought he was going to get booed, but two, I thought like, wow, that, you know, why would the Canadians ever want that? And fast forward two years later and you're like, ah, I see. And but, turns uh, out he's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, man, let's, uh, let's do this again. I, I you, you can come on anytime, man. So, uh, thank you right, so thank much you. for getting on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me this morning, man. It's been, it's been fun. And, and here's the deal. We, we could go on for probably another two days nonstop. And, and, and it's great because I, you know what, and I value our friendship because it's one thing just like, man, the same way you offer me a portal into something I don't understand. And I know that whenever you tell me something like you're not bullshitting me, man. And I'm hearing it like directly and you're giving me the perspective that maybe I don't, eh, same way. And maybe I don't want to hear it, but I mean, and I, know I mean, I think I fight with you like a, like I would a brother, right. Where I'm like, yeah. I know why that fucker thinks that, and this is why he's wrong and da 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 da. Yeah. But like, you got to have arguments like that. If you avoid having the sort of conflict that you and I have, then you just aren't grappling with new ideas. Yeah. And I understand that you'll eventually know that I'm right. And I'm, glad of that. <laughs> you know what? I, I hope everything that you've made decisions about, you know, works out good. I think it is. And I think we can all learn from it. So well, I'm, I'm, right. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. You're the next step is you got to get your ass out here and bring, and bring all your babies and everybody. And we're going to come out here and we're going to have, have a good time, man. Amen. All right. Thanks, Jared. All right. See you. <laughs>